Hey, I'm Andrew, uh, founder, I guess, of the Empath community. And I'm here today with Tiffany. We've had a chat. I should probably have looked this up, but it feels like a year ago now or something, a long time ago. Yes. Yeah. And that was great. Uh, and that was, I think, just a general chat about you and your life. And in a more recent chat, we were talking a bit about your work life. And I was very interested in what that is like for you specifically as an empath. So, Stephanie, if you'd like to introduce yourself a little bit and what it is that you do. So, hi, my name is Tiffany. I am an addictions counselor supervisor at a state prison. Um, and the camp that I work at is a medium level um, uh, security camp, which means it's, you know, just in the middle. It's not really, really nice guys and it's not holy crap. I'm going to kill you guys. It's right in the middle. Um, and the uh, treatment center is there, which is where I work. And we work with about right now we have about 300 offenders in our housing unit who are there for a three or six month treatment program um, for addiction. Mm, and so does everybody who ends up at this camp have an addiction issue? Not everybody at this camp. We have two sides to this camp. Uh, we have A and B. Uh, side A is general population where guys who just need to do their time go over there and their time then we have the b side which has uh, specialties um, there is the treatment center for uh, addiction then i have the in my housing unit i actually have a wing that is for uh, the department of mental health for um, like the clinically insane uh, those ones who committed a crime but they couldn't you know do anything because they're insane they they have their own wing here and we also have a rehabilitative unit for high um mental health issue sort of offenders and, and do you work across these different sectors i only work with the ones who are sent to the treatment program okay okay what, so what does the treatment program look like? How does it work? We recently changed. Uh, we had a therapeutic community model um, that has been used through the state for many, many years. We've recently dropped it. So now um, each offender, they are required to be there at least 63 days in order to graduate. Um, they have to follow the rules and uh, keep their behaviors well, um, not cause any issues and actually show effort and motivation in their own growth or they don't, you know, pass in quotation marks. Um, a regular day, you, we have four slots uh, of 45 minute classes. And the offenders are either in small group or in a large class that has many different topics. Hmm. 
And so when you say pass, is that linked to them basically leaving prison or not? So some of them, um, they, they basically graduate the treatment program. There are some who come into the treatment program at the end of their sentence. And if they do well, the parole board will say, hey, good job, here you go. You get to be released and go, go home after this. Uh, we have had guys who come in and they know that they have a couple more years to complete and they have to go back to general population. That's a very high risk situation for them and they understand. And then we also have the guys who come in from the street who are there for basically like a 120 shock treatment. Um, they come in and on their 120th day, they leave no matter what. Mm -hmm. okay. Graduate or not. So, so they volunteer themselves off the streets to come in? They are judge ordered. Oh, okay. So there's a difference. Um, you have guys from the street that are ordered from a judge to come to treatment. And then all the other ones that are from in prison are from the parole board. Okay. And the people that are sentenced to some time, uh, I realize how little I know about prison systems. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Literally thinking of movies, actually. <laughs> it's nothing like the movies, I promise. Really? So that's no. that's a good nugget right there. What? Um, how how is it nothing like the movies? It is. It's nothing like the movies. Um, I went into this job scared to death, okay, because I am a female and I am working in an all-male institution. Mm -hmm. And these are like tattooed, muscle, gangster, kill people, you know, on the street, gang members, drug dealers. Like, I don't know who these people are. I'm scared to death. I go in there and it's, it's completely different. Um, I was so surprised that most of the offenders are extremely respectful and have morals and they have values, um, especially about women and children. Mm. Um, they have a heck of a lot more rights than you think they do. A lot of people think, oh, they're going to prison. They can't have this. They can't have that. They can't have their you know, time to do this. They, they just can't. It's restricted. Nope. They get TVs. They have tablets. <laughs> they have uh, visits and phones and all sorts of stuff. Um, but they, they do sit there and do their time. So it is, it is very different. It's boring compared to the movies. It's not very exciting hmm. so yeah yeah there's always some sort of scene or action or breakout or something and i guess maybe <laughs> yeah there's like a riot or they take yeah. over nah no nah, i've been there six years nothing like that's ever happened really really and uh, i guess i just have to ask has anyone ever broken out is that even a thing i the last person who attempted to escape I heard was more than 10 years ago wow okay. but that's only at my camp I can't say that for other other camps 
Okay, so the reality reality of prisons, at least where you are, is that it's actually really boring. People kind of sort of live their own life. They're just in a type of lockdown, really. Yep. Yep, it's their own little community. They all have jobs. They're the ones who take care of the, you know, like mowing of the grass and weed eating. They do restorative justice with a garden. They garden a whole bunch of uh, food that they donate to the food shelter in town. Mm. Um, they all uh, eat food that is prepared by other offenders. They clean. They, it's like its own little town. And it's uh, self-working. Well, that sounds like a way prettier picture. What sort of, um, yeah, what does it look like? I mean, when you say gardening in the, in again, the movies, I know, terrible. Um, it's all the knowledge I have. It's like concrete yards or something with high fences and barbed wire or something like this. So right. when you talk about gardening and communities and little <laughs> towns, it sounds very different. So I've only been in two different prisons. So I, I can't give you like a whole bunch of, well, this one looked this way, that one looked this way. Uh-huh. Um, the one prison that I did just visit to, it's not the one that I work at, was really different. It was different on an energy level and just a be in their level. It was concrete and fences and barbed wire. They, they had like one little baseball field that they could play games on and that's it. It was really like desolate and empty. It sucked <laughs> really bad. Um, the camp that I work at um, is actually, it used to be a mental health um, institution. And when they closed down, the Department of Corrections bought it and made it into a prison and we have trees, we have land, we have, we have freaking gophers right next to my housing unit that we all like to watch and hear and see what they're doing. <laughs> so, we have squirrels everywhere. Uh, you know, it's, it's like, it's, it's a heck of a lot more pretty to see um, the land that they do have, and which is a lot, because it takes a half a mile walk for me to get to my house. Um, the, it, it is open. There's grass, there's, you know, uh, fun base basketball courts and stuff, but yeah, there's gardens, uh, housing units. Um, the barbed wire fences are definitely there. There are two of them, not one. Like layered. So there's, you'd have to get over two sets. Yes, there's one like on the very outside that is tall and has the bar, the razor wire at the top all yeah. wound around. And then about 10 feet uh, in is another exact same thing, real tall with razor wire. So it's not just one fence, it's two. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds, that in and of itself sounds like almost impossible to escape from. In order for me to get into the institution, I got to go through a metal detector, one uh, automated gate that is all metal, another gate that's all metal, and then finally just a gate to get into the yard so I can walk to my house. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I imagine the security would be pretty amazing at this point. Yes. 
just uh, I just think of like airports and just extrapolating a little bit from that. Yes. Presence, yeah. <laughs> it is like that. Yes. Uh, and so when you say your your house, what does that mean? So uh, it's uh, they're all called housing units, and uh, my house is a treatment unit. Then you have they're all numbered. So you got one house, two house, and that's where all the guys like are assigned to stay. That's where their their cell is, where they live. So, so you don't sleep there. This is you just do you? Me? No, hell no. What? <laughs> no, I go home. Okay. You go into your house <laughs> for the day. Like in, like, yes. Work hours, whatever. Like. Yes. Or something. Okay. So that we, it just, uh, um, let's see, how can I, how can I make it like, you know, when you're in a prison, you're going to have to have units where the guys are going to live and sleep. Sure. Yeah. So we all call those houses. They're all like nine house, 27 house or whatever house number you are. And mine has a number. Um, and in the treatment unit, the guys actually stay and live in that housing unit. Mm -hmm. So um, it's just easy to say that's the house I work in. That's my house. That no, <laughs> I go home. I leave the gates and go to my actual house. Okay. <laughs> Sorry for the confusion. No, I get it. I mean, when... It's a confusing word. When I was in high school, we had different houses, but and that, there were like day boy houses and borders, and so we didn't all sleep there. It was just like our kind of place where we congregated and spent time in. Right, right. Um, so maybe segueing into empath stuff a little bit, you said that so that one prison was all like concrete and barbed wire with like the energy was totally different to the one you're at. Uh, yes. How would you describe? energy between the two so i would say um the energy at the camp that i work at um is it feels way more open um i don't want to say free because you're in prison but it uh it, it just feels a lot more open and more welcoming I want to say um please don't take that as you know these guys they did something wrong they came to prison and it's you know heaven it's freaking mansion no it's it's just more uh lifelike is what can I what I can say um and I think that has a big deal to do with you know you see life around there you see the vegetation you see the animals mm. so so it's more um, more comforting to see nature. Yeah. At the other camp, and I've only been there one time, uh, but it it left such a mark on me that I'd never forget it. I had to go through so many different locked gates to get to the building that I needed to get to. And everywhere that I looked, and it just so happened to be like an overcast day with no sunlight, it was just foggy and just, you know, like that creepy overcast day. And I'm walking through this prison that has 
no trees, no life, no grass. Hmm. They have one little cube of grass and all of these different houses. When, when I was there, the energy was, the, I, I said it before, but the, the word that came to my head that day was desolate. It was empty. And I don't know how it was like soul shattering. Like if you ever had to go and actually live there, it would break a person. It, I mean, a normal person, it would break me. It was, uh, I don't even want to work there. That That's how bad the energy there was. It's very sad. Yeah, I feel that. I mean, kind of curious why you went at all. You don't. Have to. <laughs> I, had, I had to go because I was certified to see if I wanted to work there and supervise the people who were doing some work there or not. And I decided no, <laughs> I don't. Yeah, desolate, soul shattering. I think that would be reason enough for me not to be somewhere <laughs> yeah that was i was like no nah, that's not for me i don't want to go there so i'll stay where i'm at wow yes in in um in some movies again um there's some movies where people have been in prison for such a long time they kind of get kind of accustomed to it it seems that they don't really actually want to leave and the place that you, your camp is at sounds relatively nice do you ever find that there are people that just want to stay there? I have actually, um, before I became supervisor, I was just a counselor. So I had um, five years of, you know, having caseloads of 20 plus guys for three to six months. I met, I've met a couple of them, but only one really sticks out in my mind. He was a, a very much older man, uh, like in his 70s. And he had a major alcohol problem that kept getting him in trouble. However, he, he told me in therapy that he, every time he leaves prison, he actually intentionally does something that will get him locked back up. Hmm. And the reason behind it is actually quite sad. It's not because he likes prison or he wants to be there. It's because it's shelter, food, and water. Wow. He said he's going to go out there and he's going to throw a brick through a store's window just so he can be rearrested. And that actually happened. I guess... Sounds like he feels like that's his only option for yes. shelter, food, and water. Wow. Okay. Yes, that's exactly what it was. It's very sad. Yes. Now, for a, a completely different side of this is the guys who enjoy the prison gang life. Oh, yes. Those ones have oh man those ones have such a twisted mindset with their morals that they would do anything to make sure that they are loyal and they stay with their prison gang 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Try to figure that one out, Andrew. <laughs> are you probably going to need to elaborate? So if, if one of them are due to leave, they'll do whatever they can to stay with their gang? Yes. Uh, I have seen many of these guys and uh, the ones that we have. Every prison, every state has different names for their gangs that they go by because it's not just bloods and crips it's not just blah blah blah. it's like every state has their own thing i think my state has a gang called the honkies for real so um these guys have such a loyalty and um what's the word i'm looking for like such a personal investment in these prison gangs that right before they are released they will ensure that they stay in prison and get more charges whether that's a fight or tattooing or um, a major violation um, you know anything to sabotage their outdate some of them uh, will actually leave do something on the outside for the gang like there's a hit out on somebody or uh if somebody owed somebody money and they didn't pay up they go outside you know they're released into the world and they take care of that person um that leads them back to prison but it gives them cred wow how um when you say take care of someone, what, what sort of range of crimes are there in your camp? All of them. So when you say, so murder would be one? Yes. So what would get someone into that awful place where it was desolate and soul shattering? Like what would you have to do to go there? So each offender is, uh, they go through something called diagnostics and um, depending on their beliefs, their personality, their overall composure and stuff, that's where they are placed in different places. Uh, They are scored as different levels like Omega or Alpha or Kappa, such Greek, Greek letters, you know, an Alpha of a wolf pack or something. Yeah. So that's, that's how they get placed. Even, even though this guy committed murder, does he actually really need to go to that desolate place? Because that place has drugs and has more offender to offender stabbings or is he just like your regular Joe and he killed somebody and needs to be in a way less violent environment? I see. Does that make sense? I, I, I think so. It's- it sounds like you described it pretty well, actually. So if someone doesn't really seem like a huge threat, but even though they might have done something that was a big deal, it's more based on who they are as a person in some way as to where they get to. Yes. Yes, that's exactly right. All right. So what about you? I'm interested in like how you feel working there and how you look after yourself, that kind of thing. So... You want to talk about empath stuff, right? Um, I, I guess so. I, I don't really see how it would really be different from, I mean, general self-care and how, yeah, okay. um, how much life, 
how much the, I guess the energy of things affect you there. I mean, certainly it sounds like just being in that really desolate prison affected you just for the visit. So how, yes. how does it feel just going to work in the in your current place? How do you feel after a day being there, for example? Oh, that's a that's a very loaded question, even though it doesn't sound like it. Okay. Um, Interpret it as you wish, or pick it apart. So, first, I I think I should probably say that I really do enjoy my job. I really do. I love my job. I I like to help people, and I like the help that I can offer the um, the population that I do work with. However, um you it took me it took me a couple years to actually get comfortable working there um and the reason I say that is because you're going into an extremely unsafe volatile environment for eight and a half hours a day mm -hmm. and um safety is the number one thing that everybody looks out for everybody with I have to think of my own safety and my um my co-workers safety while I'm there 24 7 all the time it doesn't matter when I'm at work I have to have that awareness and it took me a couple years to actually like really um be able to do that without it being so draining um it really depends on the day. I, I have learned with my empath skills that um, I have learned the hard way uh, for a lot of things. I've learned that there's absolutely no way that I can tell somebody what to do because they're not going to listen and they're going to do what they want to do. Even though I have the answer, you know, I hear the answer from them empathically I I hear it and I'm like well this is you know what you're saying to me and they refuse to see it I can't make them see that um I've had to learn how to decompress as a counselor you hear every story that you could think of in the book and working with offenders you hear about murder and assaults and even you know the the worst kind with uh, minors mm. you you hear about all this stuff and it takes a lot to to get that off of you and it, it took yeah it took me a couple years to actually be okay working in this environment because I'm an empath and let it be known, Andrew, I didn't know that I was an empath in my first years of working there. Um, I didn't know until later. And that since meeting you and the community and learning and reading, that's when I actually started being able to block a lot of stuff and living my, my life a lot happier. Uh, can you walk us through a little bit about how how you did get comfortable after a couple of years 
Did you did you do any specific things? Specific things that I did to get more comfortable is becoming extremely unbiased. In that in that moment, you have to have no bias when you're listening to somebody that you're trying to help in one area of their life. So I have learned how to focus on that area of this person's life to help them rather than the uh, terrifying one that is his history. Mm. I have uh, also learned that um, talking with my coworkers helps extremely. And it's really awesome, the people that I work with, because we all do the same thing to each other. <laughs> we all go to each other and say, hey, can, can I just, you know, this is what happened and I just need to talk about it so I can get over it. <laughs> and it really does work. Everybody is there to support everybody. Um, so that, that initial release of what you just went through, that exhausting draining individual session you just had talking I don't know why the magic of talking to one of your co-workers is what really helped a lot and, and specifically your co-workers in terms of expressing what's going what was going on yes okay and it's because they know what it's like yeah they could yeah, imagine deeply relate because they're there with you and they probably even see that. Do they even see yes. the people I suppose that you're referring to? Yes. And then what about energetically? How it's, I mean, it sounds like everyone is affected to some degree there, whoever works there. I imagine they're not all, mm -hmm. are they? Or any? No, 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 no. There, I think I have one that is more in, more highly sensitive. I wouldn't call her an empath. Um, she's she's a highly sensitive person. The other ones that I have met um, throughout my years of working there, they're, I wouldn't say empath or highly sensitive, but they go through the same events. So they're going to process it how they're going to process it um it, it's it's different I don't know it's so hard to, it's so hard to explain um I have not met another empath at my job okay so okay so go back to you then it, sometimes something's a lot and it seems to help like with all your colleagues to talk about it with each other about whatever went on and then so, so typically, as you know, with empaths out in the world, we sort of absorb the energy of others and their stuff. And you're in an extra intense environment. I imagine even just picking up the, the stuff from your coworkers would be a thing to some degree. Mm -hmm. Yes. So, so how is that for you? It, it, it just sounds like an extra. It sounds extra. <laughs> <laughs> this is the definition of extra. <laughs> People just don't know it yet. <laughs> okay so just to clarify your question is 
going in and dealing with the energy from not only the offenders and the job itself, but my coworkers as well. Yeah, I think so. I mean, some context, most empaths freak out and feel a lot and really have to, you know, decompress after going to the mall, you know? Yes. So (laughs) hence extra. (laughs) Yes, extra. (laughs) I'm surrounded by 300 people every day. Um, So uh, let's see, how do I, how do I explain this? I will tell you that working with my coworkers is, uh, that affects me more than working with the offenders and it's just because I get close to the co-workers I know these people they're my friends and I hang out with them Mm. um for example uh last year my supervisor before I had um promoted she was an anxiety walking stuffed animal of anxiety (laughs) like that's all she was, was anxiety. And I could be in my office, which is four offices away from her. My door is closed. Her door is closed way down there. And I would stand up in my office. My, my celly is what we call each other. Um, my office mate, what are you doing? I'm like, ah, no, nah, she's, she's freaking out. She's freaking out. And I would go out and go to her office and be like, what is wrong with you? everything's fine it's okay we can make this decision it's I had to calm her down and I knew how anxious she was from across the hall like like down the hall I could feel her dealing with dealing with co-workers emotions is a bit harder than dealing with the offenders emotions um the offenders energy how can I explain that to you Andrew um I will tell you something fun sure about the offenders this part's fun I love doing this and they they don't even know how to react and they know that I'm right so it's so fun to watch their face you have some master manipulator because that's what they do master manipulator come up to you and say something and I look them dead in their eyes and go, you liar. What? What are you saying? No, you are straight up lying to me, to my face, acting like I'm a fool. <laughs> you should see their face. They're like, okay, you got me. You got me. I, I, don't, I don't have. Yeah. They become this, this little kid. Yeah, you got me. Uh-huh. So... The empath part of the lie detector thing that we have comes in handy. Yeah. It comes in handy a lot in my profession. It's so easy to be like, dude, you, you're so tattooed. Your face is tattooed. You got muscles on top of muscles. You look beefy and scary. Like you could probably squish me and I'm a huge girl. And I look at him and I'm not scared at all. Like you just, that you did not do this work i i know you didn't you're you're like lying to me and i don't like it and you should see the little boy face okay (laughs) so that part's actually very fun that's very fun does does that information start to spread that oh tiffany's the one that we we just can't lie to yes 
Yes. And, and your coworkers, do, do they know this about you? Yep, they sure do. I'll, I'll tell them I'll, uh, it, it's, let's see with my coworkers and actually like, since I'm a supervisor, it's been different. Um, they're still the people that I've always worked with. I'm just their supervisor now. So I think the easiest example I can give you is when they come in and I ask them, Hey, how, how are you doing? You okay? Oh, boss. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm like, no, quit lying to me. I don't like liars. <laughs> And <laughs> you're a great boss. I I don't know. It sounds go on, go on. They la they laugh just like you did. They laugh and they go, Can you not today? Can you just not? I'm like, no, bro, you lied to me. So you're gonna have to fess up. What's going on? <laughs> what, what so what, yeah, they know what do you do for your relationships with them. I'm sorry? How, what I imagine that they must create a certain amount of realness and closeness with the people you work with. The fact that you can see straight through them like that. Yes. Yes. It, um, it creates a different level of respect from them. Mm. And it's because I give a crap for real. Mm. It's really, it's really touching to think that you're in a place where you're helping people and you truly give a crap and you're in a supervisor position. I, yes. Coming up with words here. <laughs> when, when, I, when I started the empath community, I thought about um, where it might lead. One of my thoughts or sort of dreams is the idea that empaths would be placed in significant positions where they were helping other people or in some levels of power because how amazing to have a highly empathic people that truly care and want to do the right thing and can see through things would be in those positions and there you are yes that's uh, actually what my staff have have told me i uh every month I meet with them and talk to them and say hey how's work going what can I do and when I ask for feedback from them they all tell me you I have nothing for you keep doing what you're doing mm. and um and I'm just being me I, I'm not like faking anything I can't that's a freaking see-through <laughs> I can't fake anything but I think since since I do have that genuine care for these people, they, uh, T-Rex says hi. Um, <laughs> since I do have that genuine care for my staff and I make sure they're okay and I go and tell higher up what's happening, they, they have a level of respect for me that causes a lot of humility for me if that makes sense. And not only that, um, I do have genuine care for the offenders. Now, let me clarify that because some people are going to be like, oh, you, oh my God, you're, you're a hug a thug. That's what they are. No, no, no. <laughs> hug a thug. <laughs> hug a thug. Okay. That's not my life. 
right. You have, this is also extremely helpful being an empath. I have met so many guys who are faking it. And I can tell, and I'm cool with it. You fake, it's your life, not mine. It's your choice. But I have also met a whole bunch of men who are actually looking for a change in their life. Mm. Um, And that doesn't necessarily have to be about addiction. It's just a change somewhere in their life for a better life. And when when my empath skills for real tell me that they're genuine about that i actually care a lot i'm like here let me help you let me inspire you Mm. let me give you the resources let me uh, do everything i possibly can to help you improve your life just that little bit more wow but being an empath really helps out with that because I'm working with offenders. These are the guys who have tried to, you know, uh, slip through the hoops or, you know, not really get caught. They're manipulators. They know what they're doing. And the empath part of me can tell when they're being truthful about change and when they're not. Does that make sense? Yeah, sure. Like on their treatment plans. Like if you really want to work on something, man, I will do everything I can as long as you show me your effort that you want to change this part. But if you don't care, then I don't care. I'm not, I'm not going to do anything that you're not willing to do. Mm -hmm. Does that help with your, um, I guess I'm thinking of like burnout. Like, like putting a lot of energy to someone who doesn't give a shit, but you know that the person doesn't really care. So you might not give away that much to that particular individual. Right. Yes. I, I never have. Whenever I have the feeling that they are here just to be here so they can get out and go back to doing what they're doing. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't put my heart into it. I don't put my knowledge into it. I don't, um, I don't, um, like you said, put my energy all up in this person. However, I have to do my job. So I do my job. Yeah. But if, when there's a difference and there's a person who is genuine, then I will put all that I got in that person. Burnout. (laughs) burnout is real easy and it is always there that burnout um never goes away for any of us in this position in this field um it's more how to cope with the burnout so you're saying you you have burnt out or you kind of semi always burnt out? What sort of? You're semi always burned out. And the reason for it is very simple. Um, and, a, and a lot of people don't realize it. In this profession of helping, counseling, of, you know, the, the helping people, 
profession. Um, the uh, the reward is not there. <laughs> there. There is no reward to this. We do, we always get to hear the bad in this profession. We never get to see the good. We never get to hear that somebody went out there and didn't come back to prison and has been sober. Uh, and they're living a regular healthy life. We, we don't get to hear stuff like that. And um, when you just hear negative stuff or you keep seeing the same person come back and come back and come back again, your faith kind of lowers mm-hmm. because it, it's hard to stay motivated in this in this particular area with this population um that's why i say there's always a bit of burnout there it's just how you cope with it and how you can keep your fortitude about you how do so given that how do you do that how do you keep up to a degree and um in particular, at the beginning, you said you love your job. Yes. So what makes it, what makes you stay, I guess? What, what do you love about it? I love the, I love the opportunity that I have to give the message that I have to people. I give them the choice. I I've always been told by the offenders that I make them stop breathing and actually think for a second. Mm. Um, I'm, I'm the counselor who pushes that heart button real freaking hard until you get it. Mm. And I've been told that by other counselors and um, I've taught them my classes and how to teach them. But I keep going because I know that what I do helps at least one person. Not all 300, it helps at least one. I also keep going because of, um, there are six names that I have memorized that keep me going. And uh, just to explain what those six names are, those are the six names of guys from my caseloads that have passed away. And uh, they keep me going. And I know that sounds weird. That sounds morbid. That's like, why would you keep someone's death in, in your mind? But if you think about it, when you're working with addiction, you're surrounded by death. And in my mind, I tell myself that these guys are basically soldiers behind me and they're pushing me along trying to get my message to other people for their lives. Hmm, I see. They're, they're motivating you to help people maybe not get to where they got to yes you uh (laughs) you haven't 
you haven't dealt with a counseling career, uh, especially in addictions. You, ha- you haven't actually experienced that whole thing until you have shaken the hand of a full-grown man that you have worked with for three months. He shook his hand and said, congratulations, you graduated. You're being released today. Go home, see your two daughters who are so excited to see you. And then he leaves and less than, less than 24 hours later than like shaking my hand, the guy is dead from an overdose. When you, when you live through that, you, you got another kind of strength. And that's what kind of pushes me on that and the other, the other five. They motivate me in a very weird way. I think you, you said you said a word that really stands out for me. Who you are, Tiffany? You just the, the level of strength you have is just Wonder Woman level. <laughs> no. Everybody thinks that I'm not Wonder Woman. <laughs> I you're not the only one that said that to me. I've had people tell me that in the past week. So mm. no. I'm not. I just keep going. I mean, particularly in the context of like empath land, the 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 amount of things you're dealing with. It's so, it's so, it's so big. I, I mean, <laughs> again, some context, like I was on a call with the community recently and I was like walking down a beach and someone like said something mean to me across the beach and I kind of felt it and it kind of affected me and I, it took me a little bit to shake it off. Um, but it just seems so kind of trivial really in relation to the level of things that you deal with. That is, there's the particular context of what you do. I, I feel like this must require so much strength. It's just, yeah. A bit in awe of you, Miss Tiff. You shouldn't be. I'm just, I'm just your normal other girl over here. So how do you look feel- up yourself? No, you go ahead. What? Um, I didn't want to cut you off. What were you saying? I don't even remember. Go ahead. <laughs> no. Um, I guess I'm wondering about your self-care. How do you look after yourself? My self-care, um, it is very lacking (laughs) I will tell you that I suck at self-care I really do um I find a lot of and it's so stupid and it's so backwards I don't know how else to say it it's it doesn't make any sense but I actually find relief in helping others okay like if Mm. if I come home and I help with my kids in an art project or if I help by 
doing the dishes or if I go to work and I help somebody through something that they're going through, it actually brings relief to me. It sounds stupid. It's, I swear it does. It's like, Tiffany, you're doing more work. Okay. But no, it is relieving in a way. Yeah. I I actually feel the same way. If, If it's just me and I'm just trying to look after me, then things can actually get kind of psychologically dark <laughs> yes 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 okay but if it just helped out someone and it could be anyone for almost anything really I, I also get a sense of that relief sort of taking the attention off me yes just not I I totally understand what you just said because if I just focus on me I'm like mm, no this is this is gonna go downhill really fast but if I go to the store and since I'm stupidly tall, some nice old lady is trying to reach the top shelf. I'm like, do you want me to grab that for you? I have no problem. She's like, oh, I don't want to bother you. I'm, I'll grab it and give it to her and walk <laughs> away and be so happy. I'd be like, okay, that, that helped me out. I, I feel lots better. <laughs> yeah. Okay. It sounds stupid. It, don't, it doesn't make sense, Andrew. It doesn't, but it works. Yeah, I relate. I relate. There's almost a bit of irony in this, like, you know, how are you looking after yourself and self-care and this, it is, it sounds like about you, focus on you. And I, and I, and I understand when I stop putting the focus on me, that could be one of the sort of best forms of self-care. Yes. Hmm. It, it takes a lot of stress off of me not a lot of people understand that no i i, I do because because there's like an infinite rabbit hole of things to do to look after yourself from vitamins to meditation to kind of sleep to it could be um obsessive yes like, for myself anyway and yeah it could be so enlivening and relaxing and releasing to help someone reach something on <laughs> something so simple like i could just there you go see you later yeah it helps actually yeah when i when i get into some of my darker times i do specifically think of the question how can i help someone or be of service in some way to someone because that actually does i know from experience extract me from that state yeah Thanks. And it can be the, the simplest thing. Somebody drops something, you sit, you squat down and get it for them. Yeah. Yeah. This huge gratitude. Like, thank you so much for whatever, picking it up and just making someone tea or there's lots, there's a lot of things. If yes, there is a lot of things. In the world, a lot of things people could have help with. There's no end, actually. And just being kind and nice. Yes. That's relieving too. I had <laughs> I had the stupidest experiment experience. I walked out of a store and I, I with my cart, I waited because there were cars slowly going by, you know, and they're supposed to stop for pedestrians or whatever. Yeah. And I, I just I, I stopped and waited because it was their turn to go. And this lady behind me, she goes, Hey 
you know, you can just walk out there. And I'm like, I, I know I, I'm just not going to. And she said, you're too nice. I'm just going to walk out there. If they hit me, I get money. And I'm like, I hate you. Whoa. That's a different mindset. <laughs> Took me off guard. And I'm like, I'm just really nice. Then I'm going to wait my turn. Thanks. <laughs> Completely different mindset from me. I don't know. Don't even know this lady. Yeah. I'm so grateful there is such a nice, kind, strong person such as yourself out in the world with in a position of um, uh, power is not quite the right word, even though I know you do have a certain level of authority and various things. It just feels so good knowing you are out there doing things. I yeah. try. Sometimes I don't try and it just happens. And I think for, for me, actually, specifically the nice, kind thing, the fact that just your, your inner wiring is to be nice and kind. Yeah. It's so... If I just knew that a lot of people out in the world in various positions of whatever they were doing or power or whatever were just really nice and kind at their core, I feel a lot more relaxed about everything. Yes, I would too. I have to stand guard though. You can only be nice to certain people. You, you, that, that's hard to learn. Yeah. Imagine you get lots of experience or practice in prison with that. Well, you know, lots of people can take advantage of your nice. Mm. Um, if I, uh, the, the smallest example I can give you, an offender comes out to me and says, hey, can you please make a copy of this legal document that I need to make a copy of? If I say yes, because I want to be helpful and it's very easy for me to go in there, unlock the door, make a copy, give it to you, say see you later, mm -hmm. then about 15 other guys are going to come up to me and say, can you make a copy of this? Mm-hmm. So I have to, I have to discern like where I can be nice and where I don't be nice, um, where I have to, no matter what, follow policy and procedure, or if I can be like, Hey, you know, I can make a call for you to maybe find an answer. Mm -hmm. Um, you have, you have to be, it's very touchy. You have to be very, uh, delicate with your decision making on that in prison because they know how to take advantage right that's yes. essentially the topic of boundaries i guess yes boundaries you have to have boundaries in prison if you don't have boundaries in prison you're going to get walked out what is walked out you're gonna get walked out holding a box of all of your stuff and see you later don't come back as in you would you would get fired if you had no yes huh and you're very so this was something that you would you would decide on for someone else if they weren't exhibiting boundaries if if i had a documented history of this person with a lot of boundary issues yes 
<laughs> there's something about this that's kind of cool because boundaries are really really important i think in the empath world just to like know how to look after yourself and protect yourself and you're talking about in a way of this other consequences to just your energy system being messed up like you will lose your job yes very quickly you will lose your job um if you uh become too caring for an offender that is you getting way too close you can't do that i've seen i've seen four counselors walked out because they got too close to an offender and i'm not talking about just like physically like brushing by them i'm talking like over time there has been proof that you are way too close as in relationship wise to an offender like romantic or just caring a lot uh uh, three of them were romantic one was caring too much you got you got you crossed way too many boundaries caring too much Mm -hmm. you can't do that these are offenders they know how to manipulate you they know how to make you do things without you even knowing you're doing them yeah yeah it's it's always been quite a a strong rule in all counseling type training that i've ever known across different countries is that the boundary of not having dual relationship type things is so key yes it's just like a law even though we didn't fully understand it at the time as to why that was a law of sorts but it just is Yes. And it's a major law in, in my career field. Yes. Mm-hmm. I will tell you one boundary that I don't have, and you uh, mentioned it earlier, and I'll tell you about it now, is my ability to morph how I talk. Oh, yes. Tell us about that. <laughs> so that's not, that's not about, that, okay, that's not really a boundary, but it's something that I have absolute no control over. <laughs> Uh, and recently just learned that other empaths do this. Uh, I thought it was just me. I really did. I thought it was just a personality thing. Mm-hmm. I, I was just weird. Like every other empath thing, I'm just the weird one. <laughs> Go on, tell us about the accent. Okay, so uh, for instance... When I am around my mother, uh, we are Southern. I'm from the Southern U.S. So my y'all and heathens and oil will come out real easy, really easy. It'll come out when I'm around my mom. Now, when I'm around you, Andrew, I seem to be talking a normal English, you know, whatever American thing, right? Okay. (laughs) When I'm at work... Work is completely different. Um, the, the population that I work with are about 85% hood, gangster, downtown, your worst, biggest cities sort of guys. All right. And they're the ones who are uh, talking 
shortened uh, words and different slang. <laughs> and it has uh, become a second language for me. Yes, it has. would love to, of course, hear a demonstration. Uh, of course, you would love to hear a demonstration. Let me see if I can bring up a memory and bring it to you. Um, <laughs> bring it to me. <laughs> uh okay so a lot of the guys when i go to show some movies because we have a lot of treatment movies that we show them that are like presentations or uh dramas about addiction i'll go and put on a movie they always go what's the movie what's the movie what are we watching what are all this other stuff they're all up in my face and it's real easy for me to say man get up at my face i ain't got time for you you're just gonna watch what i want to watch <laughs> okay. <Clip>. Yeah. <laughs> Make a meme out of that, Andrew. Go for it. <laughs> and your mom? And your mom? When what? What? What does the Southern U.S. accent sound like? Oh God, that one's so hard to do without my mom here. If I was talking to my mom, you would be able to hear it. It just, it comes out so easy. It it elongates different vowels it uh, um oh shoot i don't know if i can do it on on command but man that may jelly you can't get enough of that stuff Ooh, <laughs> you i swear y'all gotta try that 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 is some fire some fire jelly thank you <laughs> You're welcome. i loved it <laughs> Mm. you're welcome but the yeah the whole gangster talk is is more easy for me because i do it on a daily so hmm. do you when, when when you go home does it take a bit of time to transition or you say yes it does, it does. You first get home <laughs> yes i have done that before yes <laughs> my kids upset me what you doing over there get away from that <laughs> What are you thinking? You ain't got no time. I ain't got no time for this. Sit your ass down. That's how it happens. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez, thanks, mom. That would be slightly intelligent. <laughs> sure, your kids listen. <laughs> <laughs> they don't question. So yes, it does take time to transition back into okay. This is regular Tiffany talk now. So hmm. yes. Well, well, that was fun. I can't think of anything else in particular. Is there any other story you want to share before we? Uh... No, I think the only thing I would want to say is that being an empath in this prison environment is a whole different sort of thing that I could probably write a book on and make a million dollars um because it's not it's not only me trying to figure out this whole empath thing that I've been trying to figure out for years especially with you Andrew you've been so helpful to me um it, it's not only personally trying to figure stuff out, it's a whole different level of figuring stuff out that um, you got to do for your own protection. Mm. And it's, uh, 
it's taught me a lot. It really has. It, it it's definitely strengthened my ability to block. And uh, yeah, if I didn't have the work environment that I have, then I think it would have been um, a lot harder for me to learn how to block off other people's emotions. Seeing as that's such, such a key thing for empaths, is there anything you want to share that's like a real learning around blocking and not taking on other people's emotions? There's two, there's two things that have worked for me. I'll tell you the one that is um, easiest to say mm -hmm. and most accepted by people, which is having your actual, like, it sounds stupid, your protective bubble or Xing off the person in front of you, but having a protection around you in your head, mm -hmm. that actually does work uh, a lot of the times where you don't even have to like have the vision of it circling you and it's bright and it's gold and it's glittery. No, you just like put it around you and then it happens, you're fine. And then sadly, the other one that is not going to be very accepted by many people, but it works in my work environment at a prison is you have got to walk in with a I don't care attitude. You have to let go of the actual human empathic heart of I care about this person you have to let that go and reserve it for the ones who deserve it mm. that that that's hard to learn mm. yeah i told you it's really it it's really hard to hear and it's hard to accept but for my own sanity that's what I've had to do. I understand. And I understand how that's actually useful advice. Just, I can be really open and have a great chat with you. And then I'm in this like really open, warm, loving bubble. And I go out to the supermarket in the same kind of mindset. And someone just says something mean or like this. I'm like, damn it. I should have <laughs> like, like, I don't want to just, I need to look up. I need to protect myself a bit here. I need to sort of have a bit more of a I don't care attitude I guess not try and make eye contact with everyone and send them love or something like that right it doesn't get reciprocated quite how it is like with you hmm. reserve it for those who deserve it damn that can be somewhere in your book <laughs> I know I'm gonna write it I'm gonna become famous and I'm going to dedicate it to you. Oh, what? No. <laughs> what? No, it's definitely happening. Dedicated to Andrew. Oh, you are so special. Really? No, yeah, you are too, sir. <laughs> well, thank you so much for making the time in what sounds like quite a hectic world that you live in as well as just the world yeah thanks for um taking a few minutes to the start of the call to just whew, 
listen to me as well. That would <laughs> nice. Present. Absolutely, no problem. Thank you so much for having me, Andrew. It's always lovely to, to have a wonderful talk with you. Mm. I feel so much better. Okay. Thanks. Good. Bye. Bye.